I hope you have a Bible today. I want you to turn with me over to Romans, the book of Romans, as we've been going verse by verse through this great, great book. In VBS each year, our vacation Bible school, during song time, they sing a song called Father Abraham. And I guess maybe, maybe that's the name of it, but uh, if you wanted to stretch out the name, it would be Father Abraham had many sons. And I know a lot of you, the song has already started in your head. And you're seeing, picturing Andy up on the platform doing all the turning and the moving the head and the arms and all of that with the song. I'm not going to do that today. I'm not even going to give you the pleasure of me singing the first line. It is a silly song, and that's okay. There's a place for it. It is a silly song with silly motions, but, but it is based on the very passage we are covering today in the Bible. And I want you to keep that in mind. And believe me, what we are covering today is anything but silly. As a matter of fact, it is so profound and vital for us to understand that our eternity depends on it. Our eternity depends on it. Where you will spend eternity, you see, is the most important issue you can get settled in your life. Because forever is a long time. And everybody's going to spend eternity someplace. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at several clarifying truths on this issue of uh, what does it mean to be a, a son of Abraham? What does it mean to be a son of God? What does it mean to have eternal life? I'm going to be kind of going quickly through where we were last week and then launching out. And believe it or not, we're going to cover the whole chapter today within the usual time. Okay, I'm not going to keep you longer. But very, very important as we go through here. And so let's look at several very important clarifying truths on this issue of what does it mean to be a son of Abraham and also what does it mean to be a child of God. Number one, we see in Romans chapter four, verses one through eight, we see salvation is a part from works of any kind. In other words, when I say salvation, here we're talking about the aspect of salvation we call justification. More about that in a few minutes. But the idea of how to go to heaven, how to go to heaven, I hope you would like to know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. I know there may be some who say, well, I don't believe in heaven. Well, friend, let me just get over your unbelief, okay? Heaven is real. There is life after death. Jesus came back from the dead to prove it. He literally came back. That's an absolute fact of history. No questions about it. Hundreds and hundreds of witnesses. And so there is life after death. And he himself, who conquered death, who is God in the flesh, who cannot make a mistake, he says there is heaven and there is hell and everybody's going to one or the other. You might say, well, what about, wait, I was raised in a religion that taught me about, there's another place called purgatory, okay? Purgatory does not exist. Purgatory is made up, and it's all based on the issue of working your way to heaven. Purgatory is based on the idea of, well, you're not bad enough to go to hell, but you're not good enough to go to heaven, so you need to go and get refined in fire for a while, and then if enough people give enough money to the church and pray enough prayers to the church or to whoever, then sooner or later, you know, your sentence has been paid, so to speak, and you can go to heaven. That is just not biblical at all. Just not biblical at all. Salvation is apart from works of any kind. Now, this is contrary to the thinking of the majority of people in the world today, because 
Virtually all religions, man-made religions of the world, are based on the idea of merit, okay? If I am good enough, I will advance to the next level, whatever that level is. I'll make it there. I'll earn my way. Doesn't matter. Even Christian, quote-unquote, Christian religions, based on the morals of the Bible, are missing the boat because, again, they believe in some sort of religious works are going to get them there. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It is apart from works. It is always a matter of two things, okay? It's either we're saved by the grace of God, God's unmerited favor, undeserved kindness, or we're saved by good works. It's one or the other. Can't be a mix as we're going to see in just a few minutes here. So let's launch into it. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we then say that Abraham, our father, I didn't sing it. I didn't sing it. I did hum it though. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, and by the way, see, Abraham was the father of the Jewish people. Probably no one more prolific or important in Judaism than Abraham. And so Paul is saying, okay, let's look at Abraham here. How was it for him? How did he get to live with God forever? Okay, here you go. What shall we say then that Abraham our father is pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, declared righteous, in other words, he's saved. If Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. But look at the next one. But not before God. Wow. Not before God. In other words, he had good works, but God would not let him into heaven based on his good works. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed, believed. That's faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you're gonna earn your way to heaven, you have a debt to pay. You have to be perfect in the way you live your life. You have to keep the commandments of God absolutely perfect. Not only the outward commandments, but the inward attitudes as well. So if you're gonna say, okay, well, I'm going to earn my way. God says, okay, you have an impossible debt to pay. Verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, on Christ, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Look at that. Not by working, but by believing in Christ. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So we see in verses one through eight, we see salvation is apart from works, apart from works of any kind. You see, salvation can only come by faith in Jesus Christ and not by works. We see that in verse five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth, his faith is counted for righteousness. Also, we see that salvation cannot be by mixing, mixing grace and works. And I'm going to say more about that as the passage unfolds. Now, Paul, in this section, uses Abraham to illustrate the point. And again, it's not a mixture. If you're going to earn it, you have a debt to pay. Perfect living, perfect living, inside and out. Now, You might say, well, no one can do that. Yes, and that's why it's by something called grace. Grace is God doing it for you. Grace is giving you something freely 
as a gift. Grace is undeserved, unmerited. And God will save you from hell to heaven if your faith is in Jesus Christ and not in yourself. You're in Romans 4. Go back just a few verses into chapter 3. And notice what it says in verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith. Notice what it says. Without, without the deeds of the law. Which leads us to the next section here in our text, verses 9 through 12. We see that salvation is a part from circumcision. Now, that sounds, you might say, what do you mean circumcision? Are you talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, we won't go into detail today. And I haven't checked it out, but I would imagine there's probably a video on YouTube having to do with something like this. Don't go there, all right? But salvation is apart from circumcision. Now, again, it sounds funny to us who are Gentiles living in the 21st century today. How in the world could that be tied in? Well, it was very real to the Jew. You see, uh, it was a mark. It was a sign that they were children of Abraham. They would get circumcised. We see in verse 9, it says, cometh this blessedness upon the circumcision only or upon the uncircumcision also, the circumcision being the Jews, the uncircumcision being the Gentiles. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Well, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. You might say, well, wait, I, I, I still don't get it. I'll explain this to you, okay? But let me just mention, if we are understanding the time frame properly of the book of Genesis, Abraham was justified. In other words, he received salvation. Abraham was justified at least 13 years before he was ever physically circumcised. 13 years. See, the Jews believe that circumcision is part of what you need to do to go to be with the Lord, to live in heaven. God's word says, no, 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 no. You notice it in verse 10. How was it reckoned? How did, uh, uh, it says that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it reckoned? When he was in circumcision, in other words, after he was circumcised or before? It was before he was circumcised. Now you notice the word justified here is used in our text. The word justified, it means declared as righteous. Circumcision began with Abraham. He was saved before he was ever circumcised. As a matter of fact, there was no such thing as a Jew until after Abraham came a believer. No such thing as a Jew. Now I want you to think about that. We tend to think in terms of, well, they, you know, they had a beginning sometime. We don't know when it was and all that. A lot of people think, well, they This idea of Abraham, he was a Jew before he became a believer. No, no, no. He was a believer, and he's the father of the Jews. But when we talk about the Jews in God's eyes, we're not just talking about the physical descendants of Abraham. Now, yes, the physical descendants, are they Jews? Yes, they are Jews. But that's not God's ideal. God wants all the Jewish people to also trust in Jesus Christ as their Messiah, And I know some Jewish people don't like this term, but there are some Jewish people who have actually come up with it. They say, you know, when I trusted Jesus as my Messiah, I became a completed Jew. I became a completed Jew. In other words, it filled in the picture, the desire, the will that God had for them as a Jew. 
You might say, well, don't all Jewish people go to heaven? No, no, they don't. Jesus made that very clear, who, by the way, was a Jew. He made it very clear. He said to the religious leaders of his day who were Jewish, he said, unless you believe that I am he, that I am, in other words, the Messiah, you shall die in your sins. So you have to put your faith in Jesus Christ to be a child of God. There was no such thing as a Jew until after Abraham was a believer. Circumcision was simply a sign that he belonged to the Lord, okay? Circumcision is, in fact, a good work. It is a good work. We think in terms of today, a sign that you belong to the Lord, okay? What would be an equivalent for Gentiles today? You might say water baptism would be that, right? Water baptism is a sign that, uh, now we don't, in this church, we don't believe and the scriptures don't teach that water baptism is necessary to get you to heaven. But once you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you should be baptized by immersion as a picture, as a sign, as a testimony that you belong to Christ, that you're a child of God. That is proper. That is biblical. We see it in the Bible. But putting your faith in baptism isn't going to get you to heaven. No more than a Jew putting his faith in circumcision is going to get him to heaven. Verse 11, and he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised. You see it? He had faith before he was circumcised, that he might be the father of all them that do what? Not get circumcised, believe. Though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Twice here it says Abraham had his salvation before he was circumcised, all right? Which leads us to our third point we find in verses 13 through 17. Salvation is apart from the law. When I say the law, I am talking about the commandments. Now this brings us up to a day today where a lot of people, not only in Old Testament times, New Testament times, but a lot of people even today still believe that keeping the Ten Commandments is going to get you to heaven, okay? Friend, if you put yourself under that system, you have a huge debt to pay. You have to be perfect in your obedience from the day you were born to the day you die. People who say, and now I know there's a few who can answer this, but most people can't. People who say, well, I believe you have to keep the Ten Commandments to go to heaven. I like to ask them this. Would you really believe that? Yes. Can I ask you this? Can you name the Ten Commandments to me? Give me the Ten Commandments. Most of them can't. They'll name a few, but most of them can't. And my question then is this. Well, if you can't remember even what they are, how can you believe you have to keep them to go to heaven? Not only that, but okay, the ones you did name, such as, you know, don't cheat on your spouse. Um, that's a paraphrase, okay. Um, uh, don't commit adultery. Covet your neighbor's wife, okay. That would be adultery. Don't lie, bear false witness against your neighbor, and so on. Let me ask you this. Have you ever told a lie? Well, Oh, yeah, but everybody does. Now, wait a minute. You broke the commandment. If that's what you're trusting in to get you to heaven, you're not going to heaven based on that, what you're telling me. Now, the Bible is very 
clear. Salvation is apart from the law. Verse 13, for the promise that he should be heir of the world, Abraham, heir of the world, was not to Abraham and to his seeds through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham was saved by grace through faith without the law. Again, why do we know this? Here you go. Hold your place here and turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. How do we know this? Well, because the Bible says so. You see, friend, this is an eye-opener to some people. The law, the commandments were not even given when Abraham was alive. They didn't exist. Moses didn't come for a good 430 years after. That's when the law was given. I'd say, how do you know that? It's in the Bible. Romans 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. In this I say that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. All right, verse 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. You see, the way of salvation has always been the same. I am amazed I'm hearing more and more as time goes on, people believing or saying in an authoritative way, which is completely erroneous. They're saying, well, in the Old Testament, people were saved by keeping the law. Or they're saying the requirement to be saved in the Old Testament is keeping the law. Absolutely not. You don't know your Bible, friend. Jesus had to keep correcting them about this, and the Apostle Paul made it very clear. He kept correcting them. Peter kept correcting them. Keeping the law will not save you. The way of salvation has always been by faith in the promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's always been by grace through faith. In the Old Testament times before Christ, look up here. Let me illustrate it this way. Old Testament, okay? Let's say this is the cross in history, a, a time, timeline. This is when Jesus died on the cross, right? In the Old Testament, the promises are there very clearly that the Messiah would come, make a payment for sin, and be raised from the dead. Hmm, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. That's the same as it is today. It's the gospel. He hadn't come yet, but they were trusting in the promise that he would and do what the Bible says he would do. And so they looked forward to the time when Jesus would die on the cross. Now, they didn't know him by name as Jesus. He was just the Messiah, that he would come and make a payment for sin and die on the cross and be raised. The time came, Jesus came, went to the cross, paid for our sins, rose from the grave, and he's in heaven today. We are here. We look back at what he did. They looked forward to what he would do, and he did it. We look back to what he, in fact, did accomplish. Both of them are an issue of faith. Faith alone in Christ alone. Galatians, you're in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Back it up a little and go to verse 6. It says this, Even as Abraham believed God, 
and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. You notice how he got righteousness? By believing what God said. What was, did God say? Evidently, God told him that through the seed, there would be a seed through Isaac, the promised son, there would be a seed who would come and all the nations of the world would be blessed through him. That seed, of course, that person was the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, that's us, by the way, the heathen. Aren't you glad came today? You're heathen. You are heathen. So am I. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Scriptures are very clear. Now let's go back to Romans chapter four in verse 14. It says, for if they which are of the law be heirs, in other words, if by keeping the commandments you become an heir of Abraham, you become a child of God, faith is made void. Can't be both. If you can do it by works, then you don't need faith. Faith is of no value. And the promise made of none effect. The point is this, if you can come into God's family by keeping the commandments, then faith, why do you need faith if you do it by works? See, they are exclusive one to another. Galatians chapter two and verse 21 says this, I do not frustrate the grace of God. That word frustrate makes to no, means to make of no effect to make void. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness comes by the law, the commandments, then Christ is dead in vain. He wasted his life. Friend, God sent Jesus because we couldn't earn our way to heaven. That is why he came, because we could not do it. So what is the point? The point is this. Salvation is apart from keeping the law. It is apart from that. Verse 15. Because the law worketh wrath. Okay? For where no law is, there is no transgression. Now you cannot, in other words, you cannot break a law that doesn't exist. If there was no speed limit out here on County Road 8, you couldn't get a ticket for breaking the speed limit if there was no speed limit. By the way, there is. It's 45, and you better watch yourself because the police know how to nestle themselves back into the trees enough to where you don't see them until it's too late. Right, so you, you speak like personal experience. Nope. Never got one. Never got one. Now, I know some of you have, but... <laughs> you're laughing because you're embarrassed. What's troubling to me is everybody's laughing. Okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. I know most of you haven't. Here's the point, though. If there's no law, there's no law to break. God gave the command. Now, now, let me clarify this. 
This doesn't mean there weren't any sins before the law was given. What it means is that when the law came, here's what the law did. It was so perfect because it manifested the character of God. When the law came, it just that much more showed how sinful we are. Because now, every time you turn around, you're breaking the law. It was very confining. It was very condemning. And that is why God gave the law was to show man he needed a savior. That's exactly what the Bible teaches, particularly in the book of Galatians. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no laws, there is no transgression. You see, ever since the fall of man, there's been sin, though. Verse 16, therefore, it, salvation, is of faith, that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those which be not as those they were. Salvation is open now to anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, which leads us to our fourth point we see in verses 18 through 25, and it is this. Salvation, again, or going to heaven, is by faith alone in Christ alone. You can't earn it because you got to be perfect. You can't keep the commandments because everybody breaks them. And so if you believe your good works will get you there, you got to be perfect, and you're not. If you believe keeping the commandments will get you there, you break the commandments, therefore you're condemned, Bible says. So then what are we left with? Our good works won't save us. Keeping the commandments won't save us. So here we are. So how are we going to get there? Well, do good. No, wait a minute. We've already established that won't save you. Well, keep the commandments. No, you don't keep the commandments. What else is left? Well, I guess I'm sunk. Ah, now we get it. Now we get it. And God says, you know what? I love you so much. I am going to send my son to do for you what you can't do for yourself. Look up here. Here it is. Beautiful story. This hand representing you and me. This represents our sin. We are sinners. God loves us, though. He hates our sin. If we die with our sin, we will be lost forever in hell, separated from God. God wants us to live with him forever in heaven, but heaven is a perfect place. No sin is in heaven. You have to be sinless to get in. None of us are. None of us are. Now again, people say, well, I'll do good works. I'll keep the commandments. You know, even if you could from this day forward be perfect in the way you live and no one can be, that's just piling things on top of your sin. Doesn't take the sin away. This is why we're not saved by good works because good works will never do it. We could never do enough. We could never be perfect. We're already disqualified. So we are guilty, lost, condemned, separated from God. So what are we going to do? Well, there's nothing we can do of ourselves. And that is why God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, this hand representing him. Jesus, God in the flesh, sinless, he came into the world and he went and he went to the cross and there he took my sin and your sin upon himself 
And he paid for all of our sin. He paid for it all, leaving us nothing to pay for. And he rose from the grave three days later. And he says this in his word, if you will put your faith in him, that he made that payment for you, he will give you everlasting life. You go to heaven based on what Christ has done. If all your sin is gone, could you go to heaven? Yes, yes, if all your sin is gone. He gives you his very own righteousness. When you trust Christ as your savior, your sins are taken away, and God says, you know what? I'll give you my righteousness as a gift, as a gift. Now, if you were as righteous as God, could you get into heaven? Yes, you could. But you see, friend, when sinners trust in their own righteousness, they're still sinners. You can't make it that way. This is the great exchange. He takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness simply by faith. Look over here. For by grace are you saved through faith. God's grace, it's unmerited, undeserved favor. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Now, it's by faith alone in Christ alone. Look with me to verse 18. It says, talking about Abraham, it says, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham was a hundred years old and Sarah was 90 years old when she conceived Isaac. Isaac was the promised son who would come. Abraham was told, listen, your bodies are dead as far as reproduction goes. You can't do it. By the way, you notice nothing they could do would change the situation. God had to work a miracle for them to conceive. And so what did he do? That's exactly what he did. And God said, listen, you're going to bear a son. And of course, uh, Sarah heard this and she kind of laughed at it. You know, the angel basically gave them the news about this. She laughed, and, and then he, he said, okay, we're, you're going to name him uh, Isaac. Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Laughter. Angel said, you, you laughed. You know, I said, you laughed. Oh, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did. It's right there in the text. Yes, you did. So we'll name him Laughter. That way, every time you call Isaac, you'll be reminded of how you laughed. Okay? Now, yes, she did come to believe it, especially as she got bigger, I'm sure. Aaron, you can relate to that. But um, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. It was a miracle, okay? The fact that they could have children, him being 100, her being 90. Now, ladies, I would guess that not one of you would wish this. You make it to 90 years old and God says, you're going to have a baby. It's like, anyways, we won't dwell on that. Keep going. What could they do? All they could do was believe. It doesn't work that way. There's nothing they could do. All they could do is believe. 
And this is the same with salvation. All we can do is believe because we can't do what's necessary to bring about the new birth, eternal life, okay? Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he, God, was able also to perform. What an explanation of faith that is. What an illustration of faith that is. That what God has promised, he was able also to perform. Friend, listen. Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. And if you trust in him as your savior, he will give you that moment everlasting life. Will you trust in him? What he has promised, he's able also to perform. Trust in Christ. He will save you today. He'll give you eternal life today. It's a matter of you simply believing and he'll give you his righteousness. Abraham was justified by believing God's promise. Verse 22, therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. They believe God gave them righteousness. This is the principle, and we are saved the same way today. God has promised that if you'll put your faith in Christ, he'll save you eternally. It is a fact And it is the promise of God. And this is the basis, by the way, of the assurance of salvation. I get emails all the time from people. And my heart goes out to them. These are people, they say they've trusted Christ as Savior. I hope that they have. But they'll say, I don't have the assurance of salvation. And I go round and round. Some of them I email or have emailed me multiple, multiple times over the last few years. Struggling, struggling, struggling. Okay, they don't have peace about this. They fear hell and, and, and all these kind of things. And it gets to the point, honestly, and listen, again, my heart goes out, but it gets to the point where I can only say, I can't tell you anything more than what the Bible says. You need to believe what God says and stop there. He will do what he said he will do. He will save you. Okay, it's not a feeling. It's a fact. We're saved by faith in Christ. We need to believe that. It is a fact. And this is the basis, the fact that God cannot lie, and when you trust in Christ, he gives you everlasting life. This is the basis for the assurance of salvation. Verse 23. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, Okay, you receive the righteousness of God. You are declared righteous in God's eyes. To whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The death of Christ delivered for our offenses. The resurrection of Christ raised for our justification. All right? See, the resurrection is proof that the payment for sin has been satisfied by Jesus Christ. The Father would not have raised him from the dead had Jesus not satisfied the justice of God making the payment for sin. And those two facts, the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, make up what we call the gospel today, all right? Here, one more verse to share with you. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. You know, some people, they think, well, I'm feeling weak or I'm, I'm having some doubts or I'm this and that. Friend, listen, 
take the verses on the assurance of salvation or take the verses talking about through faith in Christ, he saves you, he gives you eternal life and take them and go over those verses and over those verses and over those verses. Believe God, believe God. What if I don't have enough faith? It's not a matter of how much faith you have. As late Dr. Hudson used to say, he says, you can have a little faith in a great big savior. That'll give you eternal life. But if you have a lot of faith in something that is not a savior, that won't give you eternal life at all. If you can have a lot of faith in yourself, see, it's not the amount of faith. It's where you put your faith. It's what you trust. It's what you believe, okay? Depend upon, rest upon. 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Jesus, his name means God who is our Savior. If you believe on him, if you put your faith in him as your Savior, what does that mean? You're trusting in him that he paid for your sins. You're trusting in him to save you, deliver you from hell to heaven. All right? You're trusting in him to get you there. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Look at that in the next phrase. That you may know that you have eternal life. You can know it. Right? You can know it. As a matter of fact, in verse 10, it says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of the Son. Listen, friend, if you struggle with whether you're saved or not, the question to you is this, do you believe God or not? Does God tell the truth or not? Is he trustworthy or not? You might say, well, I go back and forth. Well, then get it settled today. It's very clear, Romans chapter four, you're not saved by works. You're not saved by keeping good works. You're not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. So then what's left? Jesus Christ. Trust in him. He promises if you'll trust in him. You can know you're going to heaven when you die. Verse 13. It is a written guarantee. It is a written guarantee. One man who struggled with the assurance of his, his salvation. He kept going back and forth, back and forth, okay? Now, I do believe that, that Satan comes with fiery darts and tries to get us to doubt sometimes. So this guy was struggling, and, and uh, um, one night, um, his, his, uh, he was already in bed, and his, and his wife, now this is kind of unusual, but his wife came in a little later, and she came in, and He's on his side of the bed and he's got his, he's got his Bible and he's, he's, under, he's like this on his bed, leaned over and his arms underneath the, the bed. And she sees his arms going like this. You know, it's back and forth, back and forth. She says, what in the world are you doing? He says, well, you know, the Bible talks about Satan being the prince of darkness and uh, he's fighting me about the issue. So I just wanted to keep showing him First John 5.13. So I'm just, just waving it under there in case he's under my bed. Um, unusual theology and beliefs, but you know what? I get the point. Listen, devil comes, tries to get you to think about this, worry about this. 
wait a minute, bud. God gave me a written guarantee, gave me a promise. I know I'm going to heaven because God said if I trust in Christ, I'm going. I trust in Christ, I'm going. Okay? And yet there are still people who will say, wow, you say you know you're going to heaven. Don't you think that's kind of boastful and arrogant to say such a thing? Absolutely not. Because it doesn't depend on me one second. It depends on all Jesus did on the cross. And if God was satisfied, if the Father was satisfied with what the Son did, I'm satisfied. And he says, if you'll trust in Christ, you can know you have eternal life. I stand today. I know, I know I'm going to heaven when I die. I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't have to wait till I die. I don't have to wait till I'm older in life. I don't have to wait till my life is cleaner. No, I know I'm going to heaven because it's based on what Jesus said. He paid my sin debt. He said, if I trust in him, I have everlasting life. The moment I do, therefore I have the assurance of salvation because he is God who cannot lie. That's it right there. And anybody who comes along and says, oh, no, no, you have to persevere to the end if you want to know for sure. That statement is saying they're trusting in their faithfulness to live a faithful life until they get to the end of their life. Your faith is not in what Christ has done then. Your faith is in you keeping on and living a faithful Christian life. That's works for salvation. You have to understand. You can't do a thing to save yourself. You trust in Christ and he promises to save you. That's it. You can know it. Are you a son of Father Abraham? Be one of the many. Trust in Christ today as your Savior. Let's all bow in prayer. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.